and welcome to the Podcast Brunch Club podcast. My name is Adela, and I'm the founder of PBC. Today, our guest is Brett DeHoot, the creator behind the Hardest Word podcast. We listened to an episode of The Hardest Word as part of our August listening list on apologies. You can find that list at podcastbrunchclub.com slash apologies. The episode we listened to featured heartfelt apologies from parents to their children. Welcome to the PBC podcast, Brett. It's lovely to be here. Thank you, Dylan. Yes. Um, well, we're happy to have you. And um, why don't we start with you just telling us a little bit about what The Hardest Word is about? I'm very happy to do that. The Hardest Word um, showcases apologies from real people all across the globe. It's a very simple, short podcast. I talk for a little bit, and then we hear from someone who apologizes to someone or something or somewhere. Um, five minutes, we're usually done and dusted, and the apologies come from literally all around the world, from Rwanda or Gaza or Kenya or Canada or Melbourne, or and they apologize about all sorts of things, most of which I'd never imagined required an apology. And that's it. It's It's a brilliant concept. I love it. So, I mean, it begs the question, like, what prompted you to start the show? And I'd also love to hear a little bit about you and your background and if how that kind of... Uh, how your background maybe helped you start the show or whether or not it played into it at all. Yeah, it certainly did. My background, I do a few different things, but one of the things I do is public speaking training and communications training. And so I'm often working with, you know, CEOs or corporate people and others besides, and they come to me for to improve their stage performance or their media performance. And I started getting asked by clients, can you throw in how to apologize? And I remember the first time I heard that, I thought, what an unusual request. But of course, I was happy to give it a bill. And I noticed that this was starting to be something that CEOs and leaders felt they should have in their toolbox, so to speak. And I also noticed that a lot of people in public life were having apologies demanded off them more often. And we've seen some big national apologies. Um, In Australia, there was a very famous uh, apology from then Prime Minister Kevin Rudd to the Indigenous Australians. That was a real watershed moment. And, you know, as someone who'd been in radio in the past and had a podcast way back in 2004, I was looking for a format. And then I saw Serena Williams at the US Open 2018 playing Naomi Osaka. And she was accused of cheating by the chair umpire mid-match. And I don't know if you recall, she was very angry at the chair umpire and pointing her finger at him from below because he sits on the chair above saying, I demand an apology mid-match in front of millions of people after being accused of taking coaching from her coach, which is not allowed. And it struck me that we'd come to some moment in the culture around apologies where everyone was demanding them, some people were giving them, we were less likely to believe them, they were now a skill to have. So I just thought, let's make a podcast out of that. Very cool. Um, So I'm curious, and and we can talk a little bit about the podcast that we did listen to as part of the playlist on apologies, which was the episode where parents apologize to their children. But I'd like to hear not just for that particular episode, although I'd I'd be happy to hear about that. um, Just generally, how do you get your contributors? How do you solicit the apologies? I spend a lot of time online, as we all do, and trawling Facebook groups and even job boards and writing groups and poetry groups and groups for single dads or for writers or for poets or for single mothers or whatever, explaining, just spruiking the show and saying, 
If you feel like you have an apology, you'd like to write it or record it, here's the podcast for you. So I have seeded that. And sometimes I've had some success with groups just recently that work with prisoners in the American justice system who deliver sort of arts and creativity programs in prisons. And that has been a sort of a conduit for that. And as I started the show, I thought I had this fantasy that I'd find lots of people who can connect me to lots of people who want to apologize. That has not been the case. It's been largely one-on-one. So I put words out there on bulletin boards and Facebook pages and Facebook ads and, you know, YouTube group, blah, 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 blah and get apologies. And heaven forbid some people actually hear the podcast and send in their apologies. So it's it's a mix, but it does take a lot of work to extract apologies out of people. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I can't imagine. Um, I mean, so you you said you mentioned that people write apologies. They'll they'll write them out and then send them to you. Correct. So then, do you help them record it then? Correct. So I do a mix. Some I, what I don't want to do is sort of lose an apology because people don't have the technology or the desire to put their voice on the podcast. So mm-hmm. every apology is what is sincere and and real from a real person, but. Sometimes if the people can't or won't record it, I will get a voice actor to record it. Oh, interesting. And so that's more work for me. And and that's another step. But I try and get someone with the right accent to do it as well. And and, um, so that just means that I get more apologies more often from more people. And that's why we get, I think, such a remarkable range of apologies from rural India and Pakistan and China. And to be honest, countries I hadn't considered you know, well yeah. out of the Anglosphere, people who are re- recording and writing apologies in their third language, which, you know, I find remarkable. But yeah. very often, you know, some people record it and send me the, the finished um, apology. I don't edit it. You know, I, I'm, yeah. I occasionally you know, change one word or sentence. But actually, I like some of the imperfections because it makes it what it is, more real. Right. It's not, it's not about being perfect. It's about being sincere and authentic and hopefully, you know, moving. And some of the apologies are funny. So, yeah, that's that's the way that works. Very cool. I feel like was this apo- the apology from parents to their children? That was episode 2 of your entire podcast, right? Yep, I got a whole batch of apologies initially before I put the shows together and I found that there were themes. You know, mm-hmm. some apologies were to things. In fact, the very first apology was a really cute one from a girl in Hong Kong who'd given her sister's doll an unauthorized haircut. You know, and she was apologizing. <laughs> that was really cute. But then, yes, there were a lot of enough apologies, a critical mass, I think five, um, of parents apologizing to their children. So that became a theme. And there were other themes. People apologized mm-hmm. to their country, um, to animals, to themselves. And that became the first series, which had a themed sort of format. Mm-hmm. So the, and then what's, what season are you on right now? Season? That's a great question. Or series or... Uh, season You're... or series three, 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 three. Yes. Okay, <laughs> I should know that, shouldn't I? But and I've changed <laughs> the format. I, you know, the first series was you know four or five apologies around a theme. Then I went to single apology models, and we, we've changed it. And then we've got the whole prison series coming up. So uh, season four, I think. Yeah, season four. I'm very proud of that. Very nice. So yeah, I mean, so it sounds like you pivoted a little bit here and there. Absolutely. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I'm I'm messing around with the different formats. The first episodes, for instance, the one you, you've listened to and you're familiar with is longer. And now I've gone to shorter episodes trying to be more like bite size. Whether that works or not, I have no clue. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I listened to, I think, one of the ones that are shorter uh, as I was researching your podcast, because I knew I wanted to include an episode from your podcast in the in the listening list. I was just trying to decide which one. And I settled on the one where parents apologize to their children for a couple of reasons. But one that I did listen to and really considered uh, putting on there is uh, the one from the Rwandan man who is apologizing to his neighbor for not saving him during the genocide. And I mean, that one, I have to say, was gut wrenching to listen to. I mean, it was it was my heart was beating fast. I was like, just so nervous. You you know, you sort of know the outcome of of what's going to happen as he's telling the story. Um, And the reason I didn't include it is just because it is extremely heavy. I mean, you know, that's I've been accused of being kind of heavy handed in some of the podcast playlists in in that like the podcasts that I choose are heavy. So um, I wanted to include one that was a little bit lighter. And I ended up choosing the one where parents apologize to children just because I think it's, it's a little bit. um, I mean, I guess when you think about apologies between parents and children, you mostly think of like, parents demanding apologies from their children or telling their children to apologize to other children or, you know, their brother or sister. But as I thought about it more, I was thinking, no, of course, there's apologies from parents to children. I mean, being a parent, at least from my perspective, uh, again, I'm not a parent, but um, I have a parent and there's there is a lot of guilt associated with it. And, you know, I think every parent wants the best for their children. And then just but you know, you can't provide everything for your children. It's just impossible. So there's there ends up being a lot of guilt. So um, I thought that was an interesting, an interesting take on apologies just from parents to children. Oh, yeah, I've been consistently surprised by the breadth of apologies. Mm-hmm. You know? And I too, like you, am not a parent, but it seems like a whole series of awkward social situations and guilt, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> from my perspective, <laughs> as well as the joy and the pleasure and all the rest of it. And I suppose if you're a good parent and you reflect on your parenting, there, there have to be certain moments that you think I should have played this differently. Mm-hmm. I've never had that from my mother, strangely, but other parents <laughs> seem to feel um, more likely to apologize, I think, more often. And it's it's nice to hear that yeah. because, you know, apologies obviously are an act of vulnerability. So it's nice to hear parents not just playing the parent card, but saying, I should have done things differently. You know, yeah. We had one mother apologizing to her. Now, they're still quirky and kooky. Mm-hmm. You know, the mother apologizing to her son, who's I think about 13, for not recognizing his supernatural quality. <laughs> I mean, literally. Yeah. You know, and, and the fact that she should have been more sensitive to this. And that she was apologizing to her child who had some sort of extracurricular supernatural ability to communicate with animals and to understand people's pains and so on and so forth. So it's all happening out there. Yeah. And, and, and it manifests in some of these apologies. It's remarkable. Yeah. Um, so I know that you listened to some of the other podcasts on the listening list. And I'm just wondering if you had any thoughts about how they, you know, about any of the specific episodes or how they played off of each other or how your podcast fit in? Well, I I know one thing I sort of set out at the start of the podcast was to be very disciplined and to not um, 
contaminate or influence the apology. To, to as great a degree as I can withhold it, I just speak for a minute or so to introduce the apology and welcome people to the show and let the apology speak for itself and the apologizer. And that's something I hold true. And that's actually not my style. I can talk and opinionate all day. And when I was on radio, that's what I would do. But I like the apologies to be minimally, served minimally. And I find that so many other podcasts, particularly from big production houses and big name podcasts, God bless them, have the resources and the time and probably the brief to influence what the listener is feeling and hearing to a greater degree, you know, and Jonathan Goldstein and heavyweight is just a brilliant broadcaster. Mm -hmm. And he's, he annoys me particularly. And I say that with a smile because I'm a, I feel I'm a bit like him, but he's 10 times better than me (laughs) being that, you know, so he particularly gets me and he, he, some of the podcasts he's made are just beautiful, but the episode you included on the list was the woman wanting to apologize to her university lecturer for not sort of rewarding that lecturer's investment in her and it was a long-held guilt you know and and that's something that I see with a lot of apologies they've been a long time coming you know and sometimes they can mean more to the person apologizing than to the person receiving the apology Mm -hmm. you know which is which is weird and I have found in the show some apologies are really not apologies per se but sort of defiant statements or sarcastic apologies and it's interesting but there are a million ways to do a podcast and if you've got the time and the skills and the resources to get people to meet each other and talk and you know do multiple interviews and get reflections that's gold and it makes it's just a different type of broadcast and a different type of experience but what I think is now um, less common is the instance where the host Shuts his trap Shuts and up. lets the the show speaks for itself. Yeah, which is not my natural inclination, but I do it this time. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that episode in particular, you and I talked a little bit before we started recording, um, was interesting because uh, it, it sort of jived with one of the other episodes on in your archive, in that the the well, not necessarily jived exactly, but Soraya or Soraya, I think her name was felt really like she needed to apologize for this huge atrocity, you know, this horrible thing that she did to this professor. And then when she actually apologized, the professor was like, that's not how I remember it. And I think there's an episode of yours that I actually listened to before I chose the episode for the playlist on it was a woman who was apologizing to her grandma, who's now deceased for for not sending a letter. So why don't you why don't you tell the listeners about that episode? This is a difficult one to explain because there's a daughter, a mother, and a grandmother. Let's say that. So 40 years ago in England, when phone calls were a little bit of a luxury and letters were the way to communicate, um, a teenage daughter's mum said, could you send this letter to grandmother? Daughter says, sure, I'll send it. But of course, guess what? Young teenager didn't send it. Mother says, did you send that letter? Um, yeah, yeah, sure I did. But she hadn't. And then in that time, the grandmother dies. And the letter that the daughter didn't send was actually the last communication that was intended from the mother to the grandmother. Then she compounds her error because mother says, are you sure you didn't send that letter? She lies and says, yes, I sent it. Goes up to her bedroom, finds the letter at the bottom of her school bag and for some bizarre reason, tears it up. And in now that woman did write and record her apology and in 
recording it. As she's recording it, she breaks down in tears. And it was remarkable because I was in tears myself. And actually, I don't you know break down in tears when I listen to most apologies, any apologies except that one. Because it somehow to me is a remarkable story of, and we're, we're all guilty of it, teenagers' selfishness and not realising, could you just send that letter? Grandmother's very sick. This is the last communication. And it's only decades later when that woman's now in her 50s, she looks back and thinks, oh, gosh, how awful that, you know, that my mum's last letter to her grandmother couldn't be sent. And actually, just to, as a sort of postscript to that, I spoke or communicated with the apologiser and said, is your mother still alive? Grandmother's dead, of course. Is your mother still alive? Yes, she is. She's an elderly lady. Have you ever brought this up with her? No. And she said, I'm sure she doesn't remember. But you know what? I'm not sure. Because if I had a letter that I had written to my dying mother and I'd asked my daughter to send it and she hadn't, I might remember that decades mm-hmm. later. And who knows? I might not be happy that it wasn't sent even decades later. And that sounds to me like a Jonathan Goldstein heavyweight episode on a stick. Yeah. That, that's a perfect episode. Um that one to me was just very human, very relatable, very sad. And also there's no um, coming back from that. That letter was not sent. That letter was not received. That one to me is one of my favourites. It's an absolute heartbreaker. Yeah. They're not all heartbreaking. There are some funny ones and cleverly written ones, and some. but that one was a heartbreaker. Yeah. Yeah, I listened to that one. That was a good one. So, I mean, that's a great segue in terms of what are your favorite like apologies from from the hardest word. Well, the Rwandan apology when I got it the minute I got it, I just thought that's we're not never going to top that actually. And you know, that I got was that. recorded by the actual absolutely mm-hmm. the, the gentleman in Rwanda who had apolog- was apologizing to his neighbor who he knew well and liked well, but he was a Hutu and one was a Tutsi. And that man, after having his, I think, six children and wife murdered, um, was knocking on the door saying, let me in, they are coming to get me, literally. Mm-hmm. And he and the apologizer and his wife had to decide whether they risked their life by letting him in, chose not to. The neighbor was dragged away, presumably to his death. And that has impacted the apologizer's life ever since. That's 30 years on now. Uh, and uh, he apologized for it. And it was just so powerful. And that was an example, actually, of what I really like about the show that is somewhat accidental, is that because it's so genuinely diverse, you get very relatable things like not sending your mum's letter to your grandmum, and then you get things that are so out of our experience, having to literally save or not save the life of the neighbour, but also the added complication that if you do, your life will be in danger. I mean, that is something that I think it's safe to say I'll never experience. And that's what this podcast gave us an insight into for that brief moment, you know. And that was a high water mark. So that's an absolute favourite. And something, again, reversing the parent-child dynamic, I just had recently a longer conversation, another new format, you know, a 15, 20-minute conversation with the a 40-year-old guy out of Seattle whose father basically left the family before he could even remember the father, led a wild life off on his own, leaving him to struggle with a mother who had mental illness problems and so on and so forth. And at age eight, the young boy called his father, who was on the other side of the country, and said, I never want to hear from you again. You're not my father. Go away. That was that. Something like 22 years later, The boy calls the father not to demand an apology, but to give an apology. Mm -hmm. He got him on the phone, traced him down and said, 
Dad, is that you? It's me. I'm calling to apologize for not giving you a chance to be my to be a father figure in my life. And not only that, I asked him in the interview, well, that's that's great and that's remarkable. Did you ever though say, hey, have you got anything to say to me? Would you like to apologize to me for basically abandoning me and my fam- my mother? No, he hadn't. And that was 10 years ago. So for 10 years, he's maintained a relationship with a father who abandoned him. He um, made the contact happen and then didn't gave an apology and didn't demand one. So I thought that was a lovely example of he's now a dad, football coach, you know, businessman who had the grace to off, you know, to offer an apology and not demand one. You know, again, that's more than I could ever do. So it's remarkable that the range of experiences we hear. It's, that's I like that about the show a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that actually reminds me a little bit. And I don't know if you remember, because I know you it, it's been a while since you listened to the list. But um, there was an episode from Brene Brown from Unlocking Us about how to apologize. It's sort of she has an expert on how to apologize. And I think she speaks exactly to this point of when you apologize, you you own it like you don't this is not this is not an opportunity for you to apologize and get like halfway there and then demand that the other yeah. person come the other halfway this is an opportunity for you to just apologize and le- like that's it and so it sounds like this this guy really espoused that that idea of you know i'm just going to apologize for what i can apologize for and leave it and and that's all i can do which i i mean that's a that takes a big person there is a lot going on in an apology. And when I, you know, train people and talk about apologies, you know, one of the things has got to be proactive. You know, that that makes mm-hmm. a world of difference. If you wish for your apology to be successful, make it proactive. And you do have to resist the urge to rationalize or justify your behavior. You know, no matter how tempted you might be to say, Oh, Adele, I'm really sorry, I was very, you know, short with you at that meeting in front of, you know, six of our colleagues. When you suggested that idea, I just dismissed it out of hand. I just need to apologize for that, not say, oh, I'm really tired at the moment, Adela. I couldn't, you know, our kids are, are, are sick and we, you know, I'm under a lot of pressure and I'm the acting deputy manager at the moment. But it is very difficult to deliver a good apology. And it's also very difficult to accept an apology. And I think both halves of that equation are very poorly performed at the moment. I think people really have to be taught what an apology is all, all about. It's not about getting getting the heat off you. It's about genuinely acknowledging the other person's perspective and you have to absolutely own it or the person receiving it will detect that and diminish your apology immediately. Mm -hmm. One thing, it might be strange for someone who's doing the podcast I'm doing, I'm not always in favour of apologies. I think there are some things that don't need to be apologised for. They might need to be explained Mm -hmm. and there are some things that don't even need to be explained. And I think the person receiving or demanding the apology has to then take up their part of the convention of an apology and accept it. And then, heaven forbid, wipe the slate clean and start again. Good luck with that happening. I think that happens almost never. Mm-hmm. But it's a real art and I, it won't happen by accident because apologies are a complex little thing, but very, very important in our you know, personal relationships or working lives or public lives. We need them. Yeah. We need people to be big enough to apologize. Absolutely. And that actually reminds me of the apology, the first apology in the episode that we listened to, um, where parents apologized to children, where it was the British woman who was apologizing for not picking up her son from the, you know, overnight thing that he did where it was raining and he was miserable. And again, like, I think 
she felt really bad about it, but she kind of was very tongue in cheek about her apology. It wasn't really an apology. Uh, I think at the end, she was like, no, but I really, really, I truly am very sorry. I feel really bad about it. But like the whole thing was not probably a like you said, not even necessary to begin with. But also at the end of the day, wasn't super sincere. Not at all. And I like that people have sort of decided how they're going to work the format of the apology on the show. And I get apologies like that from a mother, semi demi apologizing to the son, a teenage boy who was out with his friends camping. It rained. He want, he calls her and says, pick me up. Too late. Mum's had a couple of drinks at the pub and couldn't be bothered. I'm all in favor of the mum. You know, the, that totally. boy can just, good luck, kid. And other apologies I've had, not, not in the, you know, from a woman apologizing from, from Serbia, I think, to the patriarchy. A young feminist woman apologized to the patriarchy. I saw this and I thought, hang on. But of course, it was a sarcastic apology. And it was really well written, really well um, read by the apologizer herself. And it was powerful. People apologizing. There was a a young woman from the States who's a Wiccan, you know, a a follower of Wiccan belief, witchery and, you know, Wiccan culture. And she was apologizing to her mother. But... It didn't come across so much as an apology, more like, this is me, deal with it, I'm sorry. And <laughs> I'm open to that. You know, I'm open to that sure. as, as one apology that sort of redefines apologies or plays with it in in the midst of other very sincere apologies. I try not to make the show overly worthy because I find there is a lot of worthiness and overt wokeness in podcasts. And I, I, that doesn't sit that well with me. So there are moments of high, hyper sincerity and earnestness on the show. But when I can have something with some levity, I really appreciate that as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll have to go back and find that one. Um, I do want you to tell us a little bit about the apology to the monkey, because somebody mentioned this in one of our podcast brunch club meetings. And then I, I think I asked you about it before we started recording. And you did mention it was one of your favorites. So I want to hear about it. That is indeed one of my favorites and a lighthearted moment. Well, a bit of both. It comes from Kenya, a guy whose you know, sort of Western name is Dennis, and he you know, recorded his own apology, and it is a classic. The first words are, dear monkey, and you know you're off on quite a ride. <laughs> and I don't think it's a spoiler alert to say he regrets some actions he took with a monkey who was stealing bananas from his father's plantation or garden. And it is of every apology I've had and every apology I've listened to that didn't make the show, the most passionate and sincere apology. And it's to a monkey. And this poor man, Dennis, is so overwrought with regret at his actions towards this poor monkey that he gets extremely emotional. He actually starts asking for signs of forgiveness from the monkey via the supernatural and the he makes religious and uh, religious uh, he uses religious imagery from the Jewish faith of all faiths. Um, he wants wise monkeys to come down, and it's sincere. I mean, I, I spoke yeah. to him and you know, he, that was just he was just on a tear, you know, mm-hmm. and feeling so bad about um, this poor monkey. And it is so quirky, but it's also. Believe it or not, in a way, relatable because monkeys mm-hmm. are to him what squirrels might be to you, or possums are to me here in Melbourne, Australia, or whatever animal it is, or seals that are stealing the fish that you want to catch if you're a fisherman. Mm-hmm. And 
he really feels badly at something he did and he used his power over this monkey uh, badly. And the sincerity and the overwhelming emotion, but then, of course, you add that extra layer of signs from the afterlife from the monkey. <laughs> it's, a, it's gold. It's gold. And okay. you know, it's real. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. If, you, if you ask enough people, hey, send me your apologies, you get stuff like that. You know? I bet, yeah. I loved it. I loved that I'll one. have to go back and listen. And I will, just for those of you listening, I will link to all of these episodes um, in the show notes so it'll be easy for you to find. Um, so what are your future plans for the for the podcast? Any more pivoting? What's the, what, what's the future of The Hardest Word? Well, I would like to do um, some themed series around the US justice system would be one, you know, and mm-hmm. um, I genuinely think, as everyone does, I think there's a television show in the podcast. You know, I really think mm-hmm. in this era of apologies are so prominent. Let's not forget the whole genre of YouTuber apologies, you know, a tearful, hyper-sincere, but, but not YouTube apologies. Um, endless corporations demanded for apologies. I would like a, a mix of people, famous and not famous, um, representing themselves or their government or their political party, the corporation, apologizing. And I think that I think that could make for a very simple and good television show. I think it could be something like, you know, humans off New York. You know, it's people telling their very intimate stories. And I think there's a big crossover there. If you like people talking intimately about aspects of their lives and finding the sort of the humanity in everyone, I think there's an overlap there. They're a little more successful than I am. So I'd certainly like to do that. And I'd like to do probably more shows. Actually, I'd like to do live events as well, you know, where you talk about apologies, play some apologies and Mm. and learn the art of the apology because I think the world would be a bit better place if people learn to apologize. Not always about huge, big things that happened 30 years ago, but even the, oh, sorry about this morning, Adela, I blah, 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 that level of apology that you mention in the corridor, in the workplace or in the around the, the breakfast table, you know, with your partner or whatever, I think they're really important. So, I'd certainly like to grow the show um, and I am, you know, doing, trying to do that. But as you well know, it's a tough gig, especially, you know, with the competition on that list that I'm a part of, you know, <laughs> those are big boys, you know, I'm just an independent person. The show's 100% independent, 100%. Yeah. I love the idea of live shows. I think even, I like the idea that you posed where maybe you play some apologies and have some discussion or have some tips and tricks. But I think you could also do, I don't know if you've ever gone to a live moth event. Do you know what the moth I, is? I've listened to the podcast and Yeah, like you could even just do a live apologies Absolutely. show where like somebody gets behind a mic and delivers an apology to anybody it doesn't have to be somebody in the room it can be i suppose to somebody in the room but um doesn't have to be that'd be really that could be powerful i I think it could be and it when i was sort of considering this format i spoke to a friend steph who listens to a lot more podcasts than i do and she said just never underestimate people's desire to expose themselves publicly, you know, and in the old mm-hmm. days, it used to be a letter to the editor. Now, you know, it's a YouTube channel. Now it's someone Instagramming every aspect of their lives. And it's true. You know, I think that live event could be wonderful and it'd be a mix. And hey, anyone want to come up on the stage and apologize now, serious or silly? And it's, I do think it's one of those things, and I'm sure a lot of podcasters feel this, that if I were a celebrity, if I was famous, this format would work a treat. You know, if I was the right person with the right sort of following and said, hey, now I'm doing this apology podcast, I think that would encourage more people to 
share their story with someone who they felt they knew a little bit as well. So Mm -hmm. I think, as always, success just breeds success. So I think that live event for the Moth would work an absolute treat with their pre-existing following. Yeah. You should talk to them. Yeah. I know they have events in Australia, so you should talk to them. Um, So before we wrap up, uh, I always ask our guests uh, if they have a podcast recommendation for the Podcast Brunch Club community. So what do you have for us? I do. It's something I started listening to yesterday, and I binged a good four or five hours off it, actually, which I don't usually do. It's a big production. This is not an – it's by Pushkin. It's Deep Cover. And I think you've listened to an episode or two, Adele. Mm -hmm. Yep. I have. If you're lovers of the uh, true crime genre, this is great for you. It is based on an unpublished memoir of an FBI agent who went undercover, became a bikey. I think Ned became Ed, and he became from an FBI agent to a a, a very tough-looking bikey, and he infiltrated the um, Michigan drug scene and lived a very, very dangerous life on the edge, sort of flirted with criminality himself, I think. That's where it seems to be headed to. And it's to- there's, a, there's a mix between reporting and interviews with people who are mentioned in the book and also reading off the book, which reads a bit like a hard-boiled Raymond Chandler or something like that. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's really entertaining. It's a very familiar genre to a lot of us now. And it's actually not, I don't, I'm not a big true crime person at all, but somehow this one caught my fancy and there's, it's very entertaining and it's quite, it's pretty nicely produced as well. So it's quite cinematic and I would recommend that. If that's your cup of tea, deep cover, you'll enjoy it. Great. I will, again, I'll put that in the show notes. And just fi- final thing, how should people connect with you? How can people follow you? Well, I would love your apologies or your listens. Um, I sometimes find the website might be the best, thehardestwordpodcast.com, thehardestwordpodcast.com. Also, I make videos for each of the episodes as well. So the simplest way to sample the show, go to the website and just watch some videos. And the monkey one is on the homepage. Uh, It's the one with the monkey on the cover. And you can just, you know, taste, test. It's five-minute eps. I hope you enjoy it. I'm so grateful, Adela, to be brought to more listeners and people also who really love their podcasts and consider them and sample them. It's, it's just a delight to, to have a chat. Yeah, well, I'm thrilled to feature you. And it's always it's always a pleasure to to feature some indie podcasters, you know, not not all the big the big names. So and then I, I really want to thank you for taking some time out of your morning to, to chat with me. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Del. Thank you. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Podcast Brunch Club community. Do you have any thoughts on our discussion this month? Send a message or voice memo to podcast at podcastbrunchclub.com. PBC is a passion project, and we rely on support from our global community to continue bringing people together in person and online. So if you feel like PBC has contributed to your life in any way, please consider becoming a patron or making a one-time donation. Go to podcastbrunchclub.com support for more information. If you're interested in becoming an organizational partner, go to podcastbrunchclub.com slash sponsors. A quick thanks to our early partners, Podbean. For one free month of podcast hosting, go to podbean.com slash PBC. Podchaser, the IMDB of podcasts. Listen Notes, a podcast search engine. Critical Frequency, 
the podcast network for everyone else, The Venn Media, a weekly newsletter for curious minds, and Lentigua Williams and Company Podcast Network, telling stories in the seams of society. Finally, some credits for this episode. Katie DeFiori is our audio editor. Music is from Chad Crouch and Miss Ayal Ghana, downloaded from Free Music Archive. I'm Adela, founder of Podcast Brunch Club. And as always, thanks and happy listening. <laughs>